This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. At the beginning of the month, we started a new series called Level Up, and we're talking about wherever you are now, moving up a level, moving up a level in receiving God's blessings. And by the way, all these are available to you. They're for free. If you want to download them or go on to our website, you can, you can always get them. Last week, we talked about leveling up in our response. How, how do we respond to things? We want to take it up a level. This morning, I want to talk to you about another thing that we can take up a level, and that is our outlook. Everybody's got one, but we want to be able to take it up a level. Now, when I say outlook, I mean that, that habitual or characteristic attitude that you have that determines how you're going to interpret and respond to situations. Attitude that you have that determines how you're going to interpret and respond to different situations. There were three men who were working on a high rise. They were sitting and having lunch on the 20th floor of a building. They were laying steel. They were just sit there with their, their legs dangling over, the, over the, uh, the big drop. And one guy pulls out his, his lunch. He looks, he, went, he throws it down. He goes, bologna. He said, if I get another bologna sandwich, I am going to jump off this building. The next guy opens his lunch pail up and and he goes, ah, grilled cheese. I get another grilled cheese sandwich. I am going to jump off this building. Third guy opens his lunch pail up and it's peanut butter and jelly. He goes, ah, peanut butter and jelly. If I get another peanut butter and jelly, I'm going to jump off this building. The next day, there they are again. This time they're on the 21st floor. The guy opens up his lunch pail and it's baloney. He throws it down in disgust and jumps off the building. Next guy opens up his sandwich, and sure enough, grilled cheese, he tosses it back and jumps off the building. Third guy, peanut butter and jelly, throws it back, jumps off the building. Have a big group funeral. All the widows are there, and they're crying. Everybody's crying. And One widow said, if I knew he hated bologna so much, I'd, I'd have never made him bologna sandwich. And the other widows, she was weeping too. She said, if I... I knew he hated grilled cheese so much, I would have never made him another grilled cheese sandwich in his life. I looked at the third widow, and she looked at them. She said, don't look at me. He always made his own lunch. <laughs> when it comes to your outlook, you're going to pack your own lunch. This is, this is completely up to you. and It may be a function of how you grew up and, and, a, and a conglomeration of all the things that have transpired to make your life what it is, but we have an outlook. Now, let me give you three very general forms of outlook. Now, usually we're a mix of all three, but I'll give you, I'll give you three. First one is negative. A negative outlook on life, a negative interpretation of life. And that is usually someone who sees the dark side of everything. I mean, they can see a cloud in every silver lining. They, they have just that, that negative look. And, and oftentimes what we find is a negative outlook is very much fear-based, often based on fear. And then there's the positive outlook. Of all the three, this is probably the best. Positive outlook, those are the, uh, the optimists. And when they look out, they see the bright side of everything. And, and that typically is a, is a lot better. Even psychologists say that's a better outlook to have. Uh, the challenge with the optimist is sometimes they can be in denial. Well, they can say on good things, but they're denying anything else exists. Most of us fall into the area of what I call neutral. It's the realist. We just look at, look at life and and just go, okay, well, this is good or this is not good. So we kind of pragmatic, kind of make our decisions based on that. The problem with being a realist is it's very limited. 
In other words, oftentimes a realist is not even bringing in the idea that God could be involved in this situation. So it's what I call the three outlooks are oh no, oh boy, and oh well. And um, so that's uh, oftentimes how people look at life. There's a fourth, and this is one I want to talk about today. It's a spiritual outlook. A spiritual outlook. And that's actually a, a, a scripture. It's faith-based. And, and let me even give you a scripture for it. I'll show you what I, I base that on <clears throat> in Romans. It says to be carnally or just completely limited by this natural world, minded is death or separation from God. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be spiritually minded. So it's talking about a spiritual outlook. Um, a spiritual outlook is, is someone who doesn't deny what exists, but is able to look beyond what exists. I'll give you a great example of that. We've had numerous funerals this year, and uh, we've just, just had a lot beginning of the year. A, uh, we had a memorial service for one of my friends uh, who was part of the church for 24 years, Bill Sweeney. Many of you knew Bill. And uh, Bill battled with ALS for, for 24 years. And, uh, which is an amazing uh, story in itself. But he wrote blogs. He was, an ama- he was an amazing guy. And a spiritual outlook says, I'm sad that Bill's not with us anymore, but I know where Bill is, and I know I'm going to see him again. So that a spiritual outlook just doesn't look at life and go, well, that's it. A spiritual outlook says, no, I'm not denying that he's gone. But I believe that I will see him again because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so I know, I know that's where he is. I, I know he's in heaven. So a, a, a spiritual outlook. So a spiritual outlook is really, it's not situational. It's based on what God has said. You know, it took a, a spiritual outlook for us to start this church. When we started, we had no advertising, we had no people, and we had no live music. We, none. Y'all, y'all, do, y'all are spoiled. Y'all get Justin and his team, and they're, they're such a blessing to us. And uh, we started with a, a boombox. I kid you not. It, it, was, it was, and listen, our, our, our very first service, we had 27 people. And I remember, and some of those we paid. Um, <laughs> But I, I, we went home, and, and uh, we're just, you know, kind of exhausted. And Joyce said, what do you think? And I said, well, I said, we planted a seed. I believe that God spoke to our heart to tell us to start a church here. And so, I, you know, 27 people, half of them we invited to come. and We didn't know anybody in Conroe. And so 27 people that came, a lot of them were friends and relatives. And, and so, but yet... I wasn't negative. I wasn't going, oh my gosh, we had 27 people. We're going to die. No, it's no. I, I just, I said, we planted a seed. I believe God spoke to us. I was looking beyond the situation, believing that God had something better. I, you know, when, um, when we were building this building that you're in now, uh, they came to us and said we had had a, an agreement that we were going to build the road from here to the feeder. And they came to us and said, I, I knew Philip and, and Mark Verrett walked in my office one day and said, they're not going to let us build the road. Well, guys, you know how our traffic can back up around here. 
And without that road, we're, we're in the deep tapioca. This is not going to be good. And I, re I remember looking at them, and I, I just had a piece in my heart. I said, we'll get it built. But then two weeks, that road, they, they came back, changed their mind, and we got Ark Drive all the way to the feeder. But it, it, took, a, it took a spiritual, took a spiritual, listen, the road, no way, that goes from here to Gladsdale. They told us we could not have that for years. They told us we couldn't have it. And uh, the city told us we couldn't have it because the, the, the curb cut was too close to the school. And, um, and it, I just believe God had it for us. It spoke to my heart. I would drive by and look at the woods and go, thank you for our road. And, just drive, and, and then one day we had the mayor, just a few years ago, had the mayor come to us. He said, uh, he said man... Y'all do so much for the community. What can we do for you? He asked Philip Moore. But Philip has got a laundry list of things that he can do. <laughs> and Philip said, we really need to be able to build a road from, from our parking lot here to Gladstone. We need another access way. And the mayor looked at us and said, we can make that happen. And sure enough, man, with this in a couple of months, the school board sold us the land. They gave it to us at a great price. The city let us build a road. And Noah Way goes all the way to Gladstone. And we appreciate, listen, here's the deal. Here's the deal. You say, well, if you're pastoring a church, you better have a spiritual outlook. Oh, you're right. But are you living in life, you need a spiritual outlook because we all deal with stuff. And so the idea is how do we develop that? How can we get there? I'm going to give you a great example of two outlooks, the contrast of this. It's found, it's a story in the Old Testament. And it's the story of the nation of Israel when they were being attacked by Syria. Some things just haven't changed. And so you've got Israel and Syria, and the Syrian king keeps wanting to attack. But every time he's getting ready to attack, the, the, the king of Israel knows exactly where he's going to be. So he's not there. And this happened over and over again, till finally the king of Syria said, he looked at his staff and goes, would somebody tell me who is for Israel? Who is who is sending them a text and telling them where we're coming because some, they know. And, and, and better than the text, they said, uh, King, quite honestly, it's a guy named Elisha. He's a prophet in Israel. And the Lord tells him everything you say in your bedroom, which could be very embarrassing. But uh, <laughs> he said he knows everything. And so sure enough, he did not, uh, Elisha didn't know everything, but God would tell him, where the enemy was coming. Aren't you glad God knows where the enemy's coming from? And so he, he would tell him that, and Elisha, Elisha would tell the king, and the king wouldn't be there. And so uh, the Syrian king said, let's go get Elisha. And so this is what happens here. Therefore he, king of Syria, sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God, Elisha's servant, arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, Elisha answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Interesting perspectives. So the, the, the servant comes out. Maybe he's going to, just to get the water. He comes out in the morning, and he, he's yawning. And he looks up, and there's an army surrounding him. Now, he has a, 
a classic fear-based perspective. It's negative. Alas, that's oh no. What are we going to do? Now, if he had been positive, he would have looked out and said, wow, all those people came to talk. If he was neutral, he'd have said, this doesn't look good. He's fearful. He said, what what are we going to do? Alas. (laughs) We don't use that word anymore, but it's oh no. Alas. So he runs in and, and says that to Elisha. Elisha has a different perspective. Elisha has a spiritual outlook. He says, don't fear. Listen, I want to tell you something about, about God in fear. He never has ever come to us and said, be afraid. Be very, very afraid. He doesn't say that. Every time he shows up or an angel shows up or a servant of God shows up or Jesus shows up, it's do not fear because the Lord doesn't want us living in fear. Fear is a negative. It is no bueno. I don't care. I've heard people say, well, a little fear is good for me. I don't want it. I don't want it in my life. And he said, don't, he said, don't be afraid. He said, there's more with us than there are with them. What the servant can count. So he's thinking, I know there's two of us. So it's obvious that Elisha was speaking from a different perspective. He was seeing beyond what was seen, beyond what was visible. And he said, there's more with us. Now, the, the scriptures don't tell us exactly how Elisha knew this. I've got a couple of theories. One, Maybe the Lord opened his eyes and he saw it. Here's my second theory. Elisha knew the scriptures. He was a prophet. He was was the leading preacher of the day. He knew the scriptures. And Elisha could have very well have known that the Lord said that the angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. That's in Psalms 34. He could have very well known that he said that he will give his angels charge over you and they will guard you in all, their, all your ways. They will bear you up in your hands lest you even dash your foot against a stone. That's Psalms 91. He knew the scriptures. So he knew God's promises. He also knew that he would, had a place w- with God. He was, a, he was a leading prophet. He was the voice piece, a voice mouth of, of God in that area. He was the one who spoke for God. He knew he had a place with God, so he knew that God valued him. That's important. And he'd been hanging out with another prophet called Elijah for years, and he'd seen miracle after miracle after miracle. So he knew God can do amazing things. So when he spoke, he was speaking from a whole different perspective. Hey, he said, you don't need to be afraid. There's more on our side. And that's a, that's a spiritual perspective. He said he wasn't denying. He didn't walk out there and go, I don't see anybody. No, that's not what he said. He just said there's more with us than there are with them. And then he prayed, and he, and he prayed an interesting prayer. He didn't pray, Lord, make my servant not be afraid. He said, Lord, open his eyes. Open his eyes. Why? That he could see what God had done, that he could see what was available. And when and when God opened his eyes, he said there was, there was chariots and, and horses of fire all around Elisha, which is impressive. And God delivered them out of that situation. A spiritual outlook. Not denying, not negative, not fearful, not neutral. Looking beyond. So you say, well, that's great for Elisha, but what about me? How can I develop a, a, a more spiritual outlook? Well, listen, all of us probably have some areas where we have a negative outlook or maybe positive, maybe neutral. But the idea is we can upgrade. We can level up. 
And here's, here's some ways we can do it. It won't come overnight, but it'll, this can happen for you. And it's this. First one is you, you want to pay close attention to what you're paying close attention to. In other words, what are you focusing on? Where's your focus? If your focus is on all the negatives and all the challenges in your life, it's not going to change them, but it will change you and not for the better. Did you, did you catch that? You can't spend all your time looking at the problem, looking at the problem, looking at the problem, and expect for the problem to change. It doesn't work that way. But if you keep looking at the problem, looking at the problem, looking at the problem, it's going to have an impact on you, and it's not going to be good. You're going to keep looking at the problem, and it's and Listen, all of us have done this. We have looked at the problem. We have talked about the problem. We've seen the problem. We have gone over the problem. We have worn the problem out. And at the end of looking at the problem or staying up half the night or walking the floors, you, you never just say, man, after doing that all day, I feel wonderful. It, because no one ever does. Because it impacts you. Look what Jesus said in Luke 11. This is interesting. He said, your eye... Your focus is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body's full of light. But when they're unhealthy, your body also is full of darkness. Jesus is not just talking about our eyes here. He's talking about our, our outlook, our perspective on life. If you've got a good spiritual perspective on life, man, your whole body's full of light. Things can be going on out here, but what's going on in here is good because your perspective is that way. If everything is, ne- have you ever met someone who everything was negative for? You can't make them happy. They walk in, you know, like, and man, they're just, they're Eeyore. Remember Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh? I don't know. It's like, oh, dear Lord. And if you hang around them for any length of time, you're like, Lord, deliver me from this negative person because they're difficult to be around. How many of you know you listen to negatives day after day after day after day? It'll wear you out. Marriage advice. Here's a marriage tip. If you're having problems in your marriage, do not hang out with people who've had five. Because for the most part, they're pretty negative about it. Well, you know, you know how men are. Can't ever find a good one. I guess I'd like, honey, they never take the cigarette out of their mouth. Honey, I want to tell you something about men. They're lousy individuals. That's not the person you want to listen to. If you're having problems with your marriage, you need to get around someone that says, hey, let me tell you something. God helped me in my marriage and he helped me. He changed me and he changed my spouse and you can come through this too. If he helped me, he can help you. What? You need a different focus. You need something that's healthy coming in your eyeballs. Thank you for those four claps. Here's another thing for teenagers. Hey, listen, here's another thing. When your children, those of you who have children who are not yet teenagers, I'm, listen, this is off. This is, this is not even part of my notes. This is free. So here's, <laughs> when you got teenagers, you're going to have people come to you and go, oh my God, you're going to have teenagers. Oh, your whole life is going to be destroyed. Oh, you better not buy into that. Because you start buying into that and expecting that, you'll go negative. What you need to do is to say, you know what? I, in fact, I looked at some people one time, made them mad. I said, no. I said, I'm going to raise my children up in the way that they should go. And when they're old, they're not even going to depart from it. I'm not expecting to have bad teenagers. I'm expecting for God to help me. Were my teenagers perfect? No. You've heard Matt's stories. They're horrible. But <laughs> the Lord helped me. And he helped Joy. And they turned out okay. And so can yours. But don't go negative. 
Don't go keep focusing on it. Unless you keep focusing on the negative, it doesn't change the problem. It changes you for the negative. There's a, uh, a, a man wrote about a high wire app, people who walk on, on high wire. Show them, show them the picture. This is not me. This is someone else. <laughs> Walking on, on, on wires. They say every time they get a beginner, someone who's new to this, they say when they start walking, they always fall because they're always looking at their feet or they're looking at the wire. That's where I'd be looking. Man, I, got, I get on that wire and it's, I'd be looking at my feet. They said they always fall. They said when you're on a high wire, you can't focus on your feet. You can't focus on the wire. You can't focus, focus on any pole that goes to side to side. They said you got to look directly ahead at where you want to go. So in other words, what they're saying is where you focus is where you're going. If you keep focus negative, guys, you keep going negative. The healthiest focus you can have is a focus that's based on God's word. When you begin to take God's word and put it in you, it'll help you. Let me give you an example of this. Joy, has, Joy leads our staff prayer every Tuesday. And the staff prays. And Joy has them. Joy, when Joy leads something, man, y'all just think she's all kinds of, man, she leads it. And she leads prayer, and she's pretty, she's pretty serious about it, too. She said, we're going to learn this verse. She's had them learn the verse, Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean out on your own understanding. She's been on this same verse for a couple of years. And the staff recites it, knows it, meditates on it. But what's happened is over and over again, we've had staff come to us and they said, we got a bad report. You know, my spouse lost their job. They said, and the first thing that came up in me was not, oh no, it was trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. You get a bad report about your child. You get a bad report about your health. And the first thing that begins to come up, we've heard this over and over again, the first thing that came up in me was trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. What does that do? Man, that helps you so much. It helps you because now you're not denying the problem, but you're looking beyond it. We have a phrase around here I've, I've used for years. In fact, the, the staff is starting to say it. Joy and I have said it for a long time. The Lord's helping us. Based out of Hebrews 13, uh, 6, I boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I'll not be afraid. What can man do to me? Well, that gets in us. And so we'll say oftentimes, we hit a challenge, we hit a problem, and we'll say this, the Lord's helping us. Man, you just say that. And that's a, what's, what is that? That's a spiritual outlook. Not denying, not acting like it doesn't exist, not falling into a heap, but saying, the Lord will help us. The Lord is helping us. Spiritual outlook. Pay close attention to what you're paying close attention to. Here's the second one. You want to level up your outlook? If you can't change it, don't carry it. Now, look at this verse. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may crush you like a fly. I just want to see if you're paying attention. That's not what it says. That he may exalt you in due time Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Casting all your care. That's your worries, your cares. Casting all those upon him because he cares for you. Not half of them, not the little ones, not the big ones, all. Now, here's the thing. How much of our worries and cares are over things we cannot change? Some of you have already figured out you cannot change people. 
Some of you have been trying for years to change your spouse. How's that working for you? It's not. And so oftentimes people get wrapped around the axle about all the stuff that's going on, and people won't do the right thing, and my, my grown kids won't do the right thing, and people are all upset. Listen, if you can't change it, don't carry the care of it. Give it over to the Lord. Now let me, let me talk about what's going on right now in our country. We've got a lot of people who are angry and upset and, up and just uh, about, about the direction, about the division, all this stuff. I understand it. People look at me like, why aren't you upset? You obviously don't know what's going on. I know exactly what's going on. But I also know that I can't change what's going on. So what I do is I take the care of it and give it over to the Lord. And then I pray for our country. And then I'm not so angry all the time and all just all the time because it's not helping me. So I just say, Lord, I give the thank you, Lord. Your hand is not off this country and your hand is not off our area. And I still believe you can do great things. Give that over to him. And then you go about life with a better outlook. <laughs> Here's the second one. If you can change it, still don't carry the care of it. Maybe you're having a problem at home with your, with your children. I had a lady one time came to me. She said, well, I'm having a problem with my son. He's, in, he's flunking in the fourth grade and he's not doing well. But I just gave it all to the Lord. I said, and? Oh, no, no. I just gave it all to the Lord. So basically, she's, she's like, like, I'm out. <laughs> I just gave it to the Lord, and I stepped out of the situation. It's like, it's like, I looked at her and said, no, you might want to get him some help. <laughs> you can cast the care of it on the Lord, but if you're still responsible for it, you still got to handle some of your responsibility. Get him a tutor. Let him go on YouTube and find someone to teach him math. He doesn't have to flunk math. But you don't just throw the whole thing over to the Lord and go, you got it, Lord. <laughs> I've heard people say, I lost my job. Well, are you looking? You got your resume out there? No, nope, I'm just giving the care over to the Lord. <laughs> they got a word for folks like you, unemployed. <laughs> go cast the care and then go look. Give God something to work with. If you can't change it, don't carry it. And if you can change it, don't get weighed down with the worry of it. If you're going to upgrade your outlook, here's the last one. This is just a good prayer. Ask God to open our eyes. Lord, open my eyes. Look at Paul prayed this. He was talking about this for, in 2 Corinthians. He said, for our light affliction, that's our problems, which is but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary. But the things which are not seen are eternal. See, here's a great pray to, uh, way to pray. Lord, would you open my eyes to what you've done and what's available to me? See, sometimes we don't even see the resources that are available. Would you open my eyes to that? Lord, would you open my eyes to what your perspective is of my problems? See, we have our perspective of problems. But Paul said, he said, our, our affliction, and Paul went through some stuff. He said, our affliction is light and it's momentary. Wow. A lot of times we handle our problems like they're eternal and heavy. I, I read something the other day I thought was really good. I said, do you, do you see your problems in God's light? Or do you see God in the shadow of your problems? How do you see it? 
So, Lord, let me see things from your perspective. And then let me see my role. Remember I said Elisha understood that he had a role with God? Hey, you got a role with God. You got a, you got a part in his kingdom. You're not just down here trying to survive until you can go to heaven. The idea is you got a, you got a part to play. And so when you get his perspective on that, you begin to realize, no, 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 I, I got some things to do. And so that gives you an idea of that. Gary Patterson was talking about flying out of San Antonio one, one day. Beautiful day, and as, as he's flying up, he said, we passed an enclave. He said these were between 7,000 and 10,000 square feet homes. Huge. Beautiful pools, manicured lawns. He says, but as we got up higher and higher, he said these mansions, he said they didn't look huge. They looked like playthings. Then he thought, he said, you know, God, to you, to heaven, no home is huge. They're all tiny in your eyes. And the things we're often so proud of, to God, not such a big deal. So he said, he started to pray this prayer. He said, Lord, Open my eyes to your perspective. Man, this, this, wouldn't this be good if we had God's perspective on, on our life, who we are? His perspective on, on how much he loves us, how much he cares about us, what resources are available to us. He, he began to pray this. He said, God, open my eyes to your perspective. He said, because I don't want to value what you despise, and I don't want to despise what you value. And that's a good prayer. Lord, I want your perspective on things, on life, on my problems. But I really believe we, if we begin to open our eyes, we begin to see where we, where we stand with God. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're part of the family. You're a citizen of heaven. You're in the family. You're not on the outside. You're not rejected. You're very much loved. Not only very much loved, you've got a role in this. It, it begins to kind of broaden our life. It's not just more than just our job and what we're doing. God's got a place for us. And the beautiful thing about that is when you begin to see things from that outlook, you begin to say, there is more for me than there are against me. God is for me. Who can be against me? And that is a huge level up on our outlook. That's a spiritual outlook. Would you bow your head for a moment? You know, everything starts, especially in God's kingdom, with Jesus. He's the, he's the dividing line. People talk about God. They talk about heaven. They talk about the Bible. It's, it's Jesus is the dividing line. What are you going to do with him? Are you going to believe the fact that he died for your sins and God raised him from the dead? That's where it starts, right there. That's where our whole perspective changes when we're simply willing to believe that. You're here today and you say, you know what? I don't know that I've ever made that decision. This is, this is a wonderful time. This is your choice. Or maybe you're like I was and had made that decision but got so far away from God. And you're saying to yourself, I don't want to live far away from him. I want to come back to him. He's the best thing that ever happened to me. He, he sure is. So we want to give you an opportunity to pray. We're going to, we're going to say a, a prayer. We're not going to have you stand up. We're not going to have you come down to the front. But here's, this is a prayer for you. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I'm going to ask you this one thing. That's you that I'm talking to. And you say, you know what? I'm not sure about my relationship, but I want to be, or I want to come back. Would you pray for me? Real quickly, slip your hand up across the auditorium and say, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate your honesty. Thank you. Anybody else say, oh, that's me. Would you pray for me? Great. Thank you. 
You put your hands down, we're going to pray. If you didn't lift your hand and wanted to, you can still jump in on this prayer. It's a a heart prayer. We're going to lead you in it. Church family is going to join you. We're going to pray this out loud. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. The head's still bowed and eyes closed. Father, thank you for, the, for those that prayed that prayer. For those who've come in and for those who've come back. Father, we rejoice with them. What a wonderful way. What a wonderful way to begin this year. And Father, we also pray for those of us who've known you for years or, or even a short time. We're grateful that you're helping us develop a spiritual outlook on life. You've given us your word. You've given us your spirit. You desire for us to live free from fear. What a blessing it is to walk with you. And we appreciate it. Give you all the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.